You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Mark, Sunday, November 1st. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Daylight Savings Time or end, I should say, of of Daylight Savings. Mark, what did you dress up as for Halloween this year? A Democrat, Howard. Oh, wow. Dressed up as a Democrat, yeah. I thought uh, you dressed up as a... A dark house for for Halloween. No, no, we we had individual bags of almonds sitting out, of course, and (laughs) a couple were actually taken. I think the deer got the rest. Only in your house would you give out (laughs) almonds for Halloween, Mark. Almonds in a pandemic. Mark, let's start with a focus on on Michigan today, and I'm not talking about the election. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really don't want to talk about Michigan football. Um, well, sh- a, a Michigan team won the game. That's true. Yeah. That, that's true, Mark. Not my Michigan not, team. Not not the blue team. All right. So here we are. Two days to go. Uh, we've been talking about this for not days, not weeks, not months, but years. Not, isn't um, it decades? It feels like decades. It feels like a long, long time. The polls are clear. Uh, the polls say Joe Biden will be the, the next president. We'll see what uh, you and I think right. later, later on in the podcast. Um, but the polls are clear. The um, 538 forecast, Nate Silver coming into the weekend or, or election day rather has high probability and 90, 10. That's, that's probabilities based on the, the polling. I think he right. says 60% likelihood of a clear result for Biden on, on election day, actually. Right. Um, and then a, a 40% chance of a, of a muddled result. Um, 30% of the hundred percent likely that Biden gets a muddled result and, and 10% that, that Trump does. I know you think we're in for a long, a long slog. Um, let's start here. What is this election about at the end of the day? Is it about policy? Is it about politics? Is it about personality? Well, what are people voting for here? Yeah, I, think it's about COVID. And I think that that translates more into personality than policy or politics. I think the country is scared, at least a majority of the country is scared by the virus. And a majority of the country thinks it's been mishandled. And a majority of the country wants someone new to come in and make it go away. In evaluating uh, all of that, though, of course, there's politics. People start somewhere and and then look at it. Of course, there's policy. But but of the three P's you gave me to choose among personality this time around, I think is driving that decision. This this is about the difference between these two men. 
got two elderly white Americans and they couldn't be more different in how they present themselves to the country. And it's it's a referendum on the one who's in power, but it's also a choice between two different men. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of that. Um, I think it's it's about personality, which is a proxy for leadership and the virus is it's about the handling of the virus. Right. Look, Trump has two opponents in this election, Joe Biden and COVID. Yep. And yep. Well, and uh, as he, as Barack Obama said on the campaign trail, he, Trump's jealous of COVID's TV ratings. COVID gets all the TV time. <laughs> and, it's jealous of that. What, what I think a key part of not to project, not to spend too much time on what Biden's America looks like, but I don't think that this country is looking to move left. I don't, this is not, if, if the result is what we expect it to be, it's not a referendum for left leaning extremist policies no i think to the contrary um it it is a referendum on trump's leadership and i think the country is going to reject trump's non-leadership and vote for joe biden's leadership which biden could not possibly be more clear about is intended to be leadership for everyone in the country R&D, red and blue, those who voted for him and those who voted against him. And his number one priority, call it policy, politics, personality, put whatever label on it you please. But his number one priority is healing, is healing the country. Yeah. It's, it, it ain't going to be easy, by the way. No, and, there's and, no doubt. And, and he isn't going to succeed to the degree we would all like him to. But but it is not a vote to go hard left or stay hard right. It's a vote to heal. Yeah, that's that's easy to say, but hard to do. I mean, Very I think re- rhetorically, he will cast. I'll, he would cast a a note that is the right note is, from a unity point of view. You know, whether you voted for me or against me, I'm the American president, not Republican or Democrat, all all that stuff. Um, That's important, really important. I mean, to me, that's the thing that's missing uh, right now. Well, and and for sure, Howard, not everyone who is going to vote for Joe Biden, half of whom have already voted, the other half of whom will do so uh, Tuesday, not everyone is voting for that healing. There are people voting for Joe Biden simply to be done with the nightmare of Trump. And then they're hoping for a more progressive agenda. Right. And they and they would sacrifice healing for their progressive priorities. I don't say that pejoratively. That's just descriptive. There are a lot of people voting for Joe Biden who feel that way. But but most fundamentally, they are rejecting Trump. Yeah, but there are also a lot of people voting for Trump. And 
voting for oh, yeah. 70 million. Yeah. I mean, and, and those people, you know, my, uh, I've not made any secret. I've worked for both sides. I am a never Trumper. I don't personally think that his, he's, he's not a good leader. He's not a uniter. He's a divider, but I, I still, well, I don't think criminal lunatic, but well, maybe that's I, what you were getting at with your work. No, I mean, he's divisive and he fans the flames of division, but not that doesn't make everybody that supports him a bad person. It doesn't make everybody that supports him racist or no. And, no, and I'm, I couldn't agree more. I, and I'm, I know you I know you're not saying that, but there are there are a lot of look, people who do. <laughs> And here, here's how do you appeal to those people? How do we appeal? But here's the reality that we are going to find Wednesday morning, Friday morning, a month from Friday morning. We can talk about when December 14th, when the Electoral College votes. I hope so. And as you know, from uh, me sending you some article a while ago in 1876, the winner wasn't known till the day before the inauguration. But I don't think we're going to wait that long. But but the morning after we know who the next president is, there are going to be 70 some million people who voted for the other guy. And one of these two candidates is going to wake up that morning and start trying to heal that divide, stand up and say, I am going to be the president of all 150 million Americans who voted, including the 70 million who voted against me. The other one is going to wake up and do what he's done for four years, which is throw red meat to the 70 million who voted for him and and condemn and and talk about imprisoning the other 80 million. Yeah, but that's the difference. That's the difference. But either way, we are going to wake up to a deeply divided country. Well, but if. If Biden wants to unite America and he wins, how does he do that? How does he pull in um, all these Trump voters that feel like he was the better choice for a whole bunch of different reasons? Yeah, it, it's not easy. But here, here's for sure how how you don't do it. You you don't do it by not trying. You do it by trying. It isn't going to happen in his inaugural address. It may not happen in however many years, four or 80, he serves as president. But It isn't going to be eight, Mark. <laughs> I said that so you could make a note that we wanted to come back to that. But but you try. You try and, and you exert leadership. And he'll pull some people back to the middle. There are Tens of millions of Americans who will not accept the legitimacy of Joe Biden's yeah. presidency. Well, I don't know as, about that. Well, we saw it with Barack Obama, and I think it's worse now than it was then. So it, it it's not going to be building a, a bridge between the two sides overnight, but at least he'll work at it. And he's got the personality coming back to your question about what's this election about. He's got the personality to try. Yeah. 
I think a lot of what's going on is about dislocation. It's about on both sides of the aisle. It's about uh, people wanting to feel secure economically. Um, it's about people wanting to feel secure physically and from a national security point of view and from a, yeah. from a healthcare point of view. And, but if, if yes, absolutely. And I keep saying we're a deeply divided country and, and we are Trump, by the way, exacerbated that horribly, but he didn't cause it. He was a symptom. His election was a symptom of the division, but, but I do think there's, common ground on the greatest crises facing the country. And I think that President Biden is going to start to work there. I think it's it's clear that you mean on COVID, on COVID and on climate, on COVID and on climate, a majority of Americans want to see something done. A majority of Americans are for wearing masks. A majority of Americans wear masks and yeah, want to see a national response and and want to work together and protect each other and get past this thing. A majority of Americans want something done on climate. I I, I actually think it's all about the economy. And by the way, well, those are economic issues. Long-term economic issues, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting that Trump pulls more favorably than Biden up to this day on the economy. Yeah, it's Real, yeah, close, but yes, it's close, but he but yes, um, you know, Biden's clearly, I'll say it this way, a less unlikable candidate than than Hillary Clinton. He pulls much better on favorability relative to Trump than, yep. than Clinton did. Um, but on the economy, Trump still is ahead, which is, I guess, not that surprising. I mean, the economy was... Yeah, the Republicans always ahead. That goes to the symptom or the cause part. Some of this is just, is just underlying and... And structural, the Republican always polls better on on the economy, but but COVID's an economic issue. The whole yeah. issue is healthcare is an economic issue. Healthcare, as you keep pointing out, is an economic issue, and climate for sure is an economic issue. Yeah, but very 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 long term economic issue, Mark. It's not. It, well, it may no, be no. a. Pr- it's a. Pr- an economic issue in the sense that the country wants something done that doesn't destroy the economy. The com- country wants leadership on on climate and on COVID that makes COVID better, that makes climate better without wrecking the economy. And and that's the tension and, and the challenge. But I think there's room for a President Biden to work. We just we just have to get there and getting there to to segue to something I know you wanted to talk about, Howard. Getting there is going to be bumpy. Whichever way this comes out, we are we are at the 
beginning of the of an extremely not normal period in American presidential election history. Yeah, election night. We're not going to necessarily know who who wins. If if Biden wins one of the Sun Belt states, if he wins Florida, which I don't Flip. think he will based on everything I'm hearing. If he wins Arizona, if he wins North Carolina, it's all but it's all but done. Um yeah, but what it, I'm saying, yeah. yeah, and and I'm I can't wait to go down that discussion, but just to make the point I'm trying to uh, for a quick minute, either way, either way, it's over early on election night. Biden's won. It's a muddled mess and Trump wins by Friday or Biden wins by Friday. Oh, somebody's everybody's going to be pissed off about something. Well, literally, people are going to take to the streets. There won't there'll be sporadic violence. There always is in this country. But I don't fear a a hot civil war. But the the loser is going to be in the streets protesting that it wasn't fair. And we're going to for sure be in the courts. Trump is going to challenge the election results. I don't think he's dumb enough to challenge him if he wins. But with this guy, you never know. But he is going to challenge them starting Wednesday morning. Starting Wednesday morning, we're going to have lawsuits. We already have lawsuits over the weekend. And there's going to be a period of instability that everybody's just going to have to prepare for and and power through. What's interesting is thinking back to, to 2000, Bush v. Gore. Yep. That felt like months and months and months of. Yeah, it was a month. It was a month. It was one month, but it, it felt like it felt like it, felt like it went on months. forever. Yeah, I, I remember well Thanksgiving and and thinking that the, the country as we knew it <laughs> had disappeared. And and we had a couple weeks after that or a week uh, anyway. And I don't know that it goes that far this time. It might. It depends, obviously, on on how close and on, on who's on top. But the fact that the incumbent president has already promised that he wasn't going to accept a losing result. And has already announced as recently as yesterday in Reading, Pennsylvania, that he's counting on the Supreme Court to reelect him if the voters don't. We're we're just into a not normal period. Right. And even once we have a clear result, unless it's a clear result for the status quo. Which will not happen. Nobody thinks that's what happens. Well, I mean, right. It, it, right. You're right. Yeah. Nobody. Right. Trump doesn't think that's what's going to happen. Right. 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 Um, and that's what makes Tuesday night so uh, likely unsettled because it's possible. I don't predict it, but it is possible that there is a clear Biden victory on Tuesday night. 
there is no chance of a clear Trump victory on Tuesday night because the states he has to win to win aren't going to be done counting. Till most notably, most notably, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, look at where they are this weekend. Right. They're here. in the upper Midwest. Yeah. They're in Pennsylvania. It's it's the three states that Hillary counted on, didn't visit two of them, and lost. And Trump doesn't need to win them all. Here, one way of looking at this election is there is not a state that Clinton won in 2016 that Trump is going to win. Nobody thinks he's going to win a state that Clinton won. So the question is defending the states that he won. He doesn't have to win them all, but he has to win enough of them. And right now, this morning, according to all the polling, which is all we have to go on, Biden is ahead in every single one of those states that Trump has to defend in Arizona and Florida and North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. So it it's clearly advantage Biden, but but you're going to have to count all the votes in three of those states before you know who won. Yeah. Um, so let's make some predictions, um, because at this point, <laughs> we, we're talking Eagles, Cowboys, Sunday night football. If you want to spend your time predicting that your two, five and one team <laughs> is going to win, Mark, go for I, it. I predict we'll still be atop the NFC East after Con- tonight, which congratulations. Could happen, yeah. Which can happen by losing to congratulations. Yeah. Um, so let's, Let's uh, let's go state by state. Um, Florida, Trump. I agree. Arizona, Biden. I agree. North Carolina, Biden. I agree. And and may I just stop there because we will know, barring an aberration, barring too close to call, but those three states you just. You just identified Florida, North Carolina, Arizona will at least try to report the total final vote in real time. So that's how you could know. Right. That's how you could know. So Iowa. Oh, Trump. Trump. Not even. He was he was behind. And then a Des Moines Register poll in the last couple of days had him up seven. Yeah, Which, the Seltzer poll last night had him up seven. It's an outlier. It's almost certainly wrong in the uh, in the percentage, but it but he's it's right that Trump's going to win Iowa, Ohio, Trump. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Biden wins Ohio. Wow. Okay. Well, then, then you know what? I take back everything I said about there being a uh, bumpy period. That's that's my uh, that's my sleeper prediction. I mean, they're they're tied. Georgia, basically. Georgia. I think Trump wins Georgia. Yeah, Texas. Trump wins. Trump wins Texas, but it's very very close, yeah. closer than the polling. But um, see again, Ohio will be known on election night unless it's too close to call. And if you're right, 
then you don't need to worry about mail-in ballots postmarked before but received after election day in Pennsylvania because we're irrelevant. If Trump run, if Biden runs the table you just identified, if Biden wins Arizona on election night, wins North Carolina on election night, wins Ohio on election night, done. Done. Yeah, I think, I actually think it's, um, it's going to be close on a, well, Biden's going to win the popular vote. I mean, we know that. Oh, yeah, by 10 million votes. Yeah. So, but it's going to be close on the, in these battleground states. It's going to be very close. I, I think but, it's going to be a mirror image of what we saw last time. I think Biden is going to win the battleground states, enough of them, not Florida. And uh, not Ohio, I don't think, not Georgia, but Biden's going to win narrowly in Arizona, narrowly in North Carolina. And he's going to pile up the kind of electoral college win that Trump had. But but like Trump, he's going to do it by squeaking by in some of these states. Yeah. And I think, look, I think the Democratic enthusiasm is high. And uh, although I, I have seen some data on Latino and, and black voter turnout, and, and there's some serious concern in the Democratic Party that turnout is low. Right. Um, so that that's concerning. But I'm, well, but I'm going with the 60 percent likelihood of a of a clear result. I, I, I think it far better for the country. It will still be challenged. Trump right. has already announced that Wednesday morning he will be in court trying to stop the voting. That, yeah. won't, that won't succeed, of course. But whatever the Tuesday night result, it will be challenged. But how I find myself in the very uh, uh, unusual, these are unprecedented times. I'm, I'm hoping you're right. Yeah, you never hope I'm right. No, in 10 years, I can't remember that ever happening before. <laughs> no, I just think I think it's it's hard to overcome the level of animus for Donald Trump. And I, I think that was high going into COVID. I mean, Mark, you, you used to say you blame Trump for everything. Um, if it's snowing outside, you blame Trump. It's his fault. It snowed in Marblehead, Mass on uh, Halloween, and that's Trump's fault. Well, Mark, your, your granddaughters, I think, were probably happy about that. Oh, I, I'll send you sledding pictures. They loved it. Yeah. Um, but it, everything's Trump's fault. The thing is that it just can't if 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 we're right and Biden wins, it just can't swing. What I'm worried about, what I think a lot of people are worried about, is that it swings too far to the to the left. Yeah, I, I'm not worried. Yeah, because that. you want it to swing to the left. No, 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 not the, not where I don't want it to swing to the point where you're worried. I don't mind it migrating and evolving a little. I just want but, moderation. But look who you're elected. Look at the Senate. Let's do the Senate now, because when you look at, at the candidates that we are counting on coming to the Senate to 
flip control. You're not electing um, Bernie or, or AOC to the Senate. What do you think happens with the Senate? So I think the Democrats win Arizona, Maine, Colorado. I think they squeak it out in North Carolina. I agree so far. And I think they keep Gary Peters in Michigan. Yep. Uh, I think they pick up one seat in Georgia. I'll say one of two. Okay. I think they flip. They flip a seat in Georgia at the end of the day. It matters. And, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot because it matters which of the two it is, since one will be known in this election and another will require a runoff. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I didn't prepare for that question, Mark. <laughs> right. um, I told you I was prepared this morning. Well, and and then the Republicans take Alabama. I think the Republicans. Yeah eke out victory in in a bunch of these other close races like South Carolina is supposedly neck and neck. Um, Michigan's close, but I think that goes to the Democrats. Iowa, Kansas. Listen, if Trump's up by seven and. No, Joni Ernst will win Iowa. He'll pull her over. Yeah. But actually, when my thought coming into this podcast is that when you look, if you want to assess the state of the race at the top of the ticket, look at where the races are for Senate. Yeah. They're really close in places that they shouldn't be. Yeah. They're really close in places like Kansas and Alaska and Montana and South Carolina and Iowa. Yeah. Places that Trump should, should win easily. And that's why I think this is going to be a stronger victory at the top of the ticket. Yep. And at the end of the day, when all the votes are counted, I think it's 51, 49 Democrats in the Senate. And uh, that's my prediction. What do you think? Well, uh, second time in 10 years, I hope you're right, <laughs> because I say 50-50. I don't see that Georgia seat happening. I say Arizona Colorado, Maine, and North Carolina, that's 50-50. Then uh, Vice President Harris breaks a tie. But but my point in pointing to, to that, even your 51-49 is the same thing, but it's more so at 50-50. You, you are not going to see the Green New Deal enacted in the first 100 days because you have a 50-50 Senate, forget the filibuster for a moment, forget that you need 10 Republicans. You don't have 50 Democrats. Well, Joe Manchin. Right. That's my point. You don't have 50 Democrats for a radical agenda, nor do you have the president when Biden takes office. I think the fear of a hard left turn is is way overrated it it will it will bubble up there there will be some debate robust debate within the party but the votes aren't there for medicare for all the green new deal you but may get a you it, may get a carbon tax you may get a carbon yeah, but tax the number of times i have been asked in the last week whether elizabeth warren will be the secretary of the treasury i can't even count 100% certain that she won't be 
because as you careful, Mark, as you know, I can splice and dice these podcasts and play them back to you. You because Joe Biden is not going to let Charlie Baker appoint a Republican. Successor yeah, that's my talking point. You're stealing for a day. But- but the point, it doesn't have to be. Liz. Is that where I got that? That's, I did steal that from you. Yeah. You're right. It's a, it's a good Vermont, talking point. Vermont right? and Massachusetts both have Republican governors. Right. But now but, you could get AOC, Howard, because Cuomo can report a, can uh, appoint a successor to that seat. Well, that, you know, that brings up an interesting point there. It's not all about Washington, Mark, which is why, of course, we have practices around the country. And there's just there are some fascinating races down ballot in New York, for example, where we have a very robust presence. Mm -hmm. Um, Governor Cuomo has vetoed 190 bills in the last couple of years Mm. in the state of New York. And there's a highly consequential election to determine the balance of power and the not the balance of power, but the extent of the Democratic majority, the progressive majority in the New York State Senate. Right. To the point that it's veto proof. And it's just there's there's fascinating there's going on. Yeah, there's it's just, just a ton. We have going the same on. here in in Pennsylvania. We have a Republican legislature. The Senate is probably out of reach, but we could flip the House and the House going Democratic in Pennsylvania is hugely consequential for Governor Wolf's agenda, our one of our favorite initiatives in the public strategies group, adult use cannabis, but also for reapportionment uh, for what happens uh, for the next two years. So, yeah, all politics is local and there is a lot of activity at the at the state level. And you have uh, a lot of governorships up now. They seem pretty clear who's who's going to win where. But but you're absolutely right that this is not only about the top of the ticket. So. Mark, uh, we've had whew, a lot of a lot of discussion. <laughs> this is the end of the pre-election discussion, but we'll have a lot to say after the election about the results, about the process, about policy, about where where things are headed. Um, our predictions are in. Let's Wednesday, see if we're right or wrong. Wednesday at noon, we look forward to convening again. With a little luck, Howard will uncharacteristically be right, and and we'll know. We weren't and last we'll time, know. but my goodness. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mark. Great, Great as always. Talk to you soon. See you. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.